It's good to be back. I, 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 I missed you guys. And, uh, but it was good. It was good for me. I needed some time. I, I needed some time. And actually, last week, I did, I did preach, but it wasn't here. It was up in Hendersonville back in March. I had told a, a, a pastor friend of mine that I would speak on the 30th of June up there. And, and I feel like that was God because um, uh, he's arranged an, an awful lot of things through this season for us and, uh, and for me. And, you know, I, to be honest, I don't know, I don't know if I'd have made it through a sermon here last week, you know, but in front of a bunch of strangers, uh, you know, you can, you, you, you can do things that, uh, that maybe you might, might find harder uh, in, front of, in front of your friends, uh, and you are my friends. Uh, would you stand with me? And let's, uh, let's read a passage of Scripture that hopefully by the time this is all over, you will have memorized. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power that are in your word. And I pray that that life and that power would be manifested in us. Rest upon each one of us. Speak to us. Change us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, I got the last two weeks' uh, sermon titles mixed up. If you were paying attention as you, as you went through, the, as we read the, the passage of Scripture there, uh, a time to weep, a time to laugh, came before a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And, and I think originally I may have, uh, I, I think I, I don't know, maybe I messed it up from the get-go, but, uh, but I, I felt like originally I, I had uh, done it in the right order. And so uh, for much of, uh, well, for all of last week and for some of this week, I was thinking, how ironic that my first sermon back is going to be about a time to mourn. Uh, and then I happened to mention that to someone this week, and fortunately they said, oh, that's interesting. That's what Alan spoke about last week. <laughs> And, uh, and I went back and looked at it and said, oh, okay, well, that's because that's what I told him to speak about last week. I, I intended to give you a time to weep, a time to laugh, because I know that you've done those pretty well uh, throughout your life. And anyway, I thought Alan did great last week. I'm glad I wasn't here. It I would have had a meltdown. However, it would have been worth it if he had danced. But, but he just didn't. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that happen. Um, I do want to take a couple of minutes, though, maybe, maybe five to be uh, honest, and, and talk just a little bit about, about mourning, because I feel like I've learned a little bit over the last month 
uh, about it. Um, and one of the one of the things that I've that I've learned is that over the years, as I have, especially in my role as a pastor, tried to comfort people, I really wish that I had known to talk less and just comfort more. Just 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 talk less and just just be there. Now there are things that need to be said, you know, and. Uh, and depending on how much and how well a person knows the Scripture, uh, sometimes, sometimes they need to be told some things that they don't know. But for the most part, it's not the, it's not the words that, that actually bring the comfort. When Job had all that stuff happen to him, his comforters came to see him. And initially, when they first saw him, they, did, they started weeping. They tore their clothes. They threw dust on their heads. That's cultural. Don't anybody do that. But, uh, but they, they sat with him in silence for seven days and seven nights. And then they started talking and messed the whole thing up. See what I mean? They, they started talking, and, and Job ultimately says, miserable comforters, all of you. I just wish I had talked less and, and been there more. Uh, I've also really learned an appreciation for the concern of others. And especially, uh, you know, there are others who've kind of been there before. In fact, a lot of you have been there before me. And there's a balance that's needed because when you, when you go into a time of grief, a time of mourning, you just want to crawl in a hole and cry. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's not a good idea. That's a dark place. That, that'll take you someplace not very good. Uh, on the other hand, you could just plow ahead, you know, and just, just get through it and move on. That's not really a good idea either because it's still there and you've got unfinished business that, you're, that you haven't dealt with. And one of these days, it'll come out and bite you. Uh, and so what you really need are, are people who reach out to you and, and get you to go see a movie or get you to go play golf or get you to go sit in high humidity and watch a mediocre Shakespeare uh, <laughs> production uh, or, or just, you know, something like that. Uh, but you, all, they, they all, you, you also need them to be able to go, hey, I know you need some time to just go cry because you need to do both. And, and uh, I've really been blessed in the way that people have, have reached out to me. And then one last thing, a prayer that I have discovered that has really helped me. For over 40 years, for, for 43 years, the first person on my prayer list every morning has been Margaret. And I prayed for her protection. I prayed for her uh, uh, to have favor. I've prayed for her to be fruitful. And then all of a sudden, wow. Those prayer, I, I, I don't feel like she needs protection anymore, and she has favor, and I don't even have any idea what, what fruitful means there. Uh, and so I was just kind of at a loss about what, what to pray, what to do I even pray for her. And then about a weekend, the Lord just gave me, gave me the answer, and the prayer became... Thank you for 43 years. Thank you. Thank you for giving her to me for 43 years. And that's really been a help. That's really, that's really been a blessing. Uh, there are others, but uh, I, I will also say that I've learned how to weep. 
and learn how to cry. I, I've not been, I've not been a crier um, most all my life. I mean, you know, um, Alan and and Mike Dennison and Alan and uh, <laughs> and and his and his offspring. I will have to say, as well. You know, <laughs> yeah. But that's just not how I was wired. I, I just didn't cry all that much. I've been making up for it the last months. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. And uh, I, uh, you know, there really hasn't been a day that that I, that I haven't cried. And I, I know that day's coming. I can see it coming. And I can also see me feeling guilty about it when it gets here. And I go, wow. You know, so, I mean, it's a very confusing, it's a very confusing time to walk through. Uh, I remember uh, when we first came here, there was there was a family that lived right across uh, across the street, kind of catty corner there, uh, uh, the Prestons. And Bonnie Preston was uh, Bonnie Preston was a light. I mean, she just uh, she was the kind of person that would walk in a room and things would just whew, instantly get better. She had a megawatt smile. She had laughing eyes, and she just she just brought it with her. She also had cancer. And uh, within uh, several months after uh, us coming, she, she passed away, probably around 50. I don't remember how old she was. Uh, and her husband, Ron, uh, you know, he would come to me and he was, just, he was just so broken. And I didn't know, you know, I was, I was 38. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to say to him. I finally uh, did recommend, I gave him a copy of C.S. Lewis's uh, grief observed, and I, I think that ended up helping him. But I remembered him saying, you know, I'm crying every day. What, what, what is wrong with me? I, I don't know. You know, this is just, this is just coming over me. Uh, well, there is a time to weep. And there may be even be a season when it's every day for a while. And, and who knows how long that, that season might last. The weeping, though, it's, it's really good for it to be intentional. For it to be intentional, for you to know this is this is this is just part of it. One of the things that uh, that's been a little bit different for me over the last several months. Normally, each year I, on my devotional, I just read through through the entire Bible. And uh, but uh, several months ago, the Lord kind of put me on a different track, and he, he, there have been sections that I'll read, uh, and He just has had me read through them several times. First uh, John was one of them. Uh, Sermon on the Mount was one of them. But over the last several weeks, it's been Genesis. And I don't know, I'm, I'm going through it the third or fourth time or something like that. And this time I went like, wow, there is a lot of burying and weeping and mourning in Genesis. Just, just a whole lot. Abraham, Abraham buried Sarah and uh, Isaac and Ishmael buried Abraham and uh, Rebecca's nurse was buried, and then Isaac buried Rebecca, and Jacob and Esau buried Isaac, and Jacob buried Rachel, and Jacob buried Leah, and Jacob uh, uh, was buried by Joseph. And, and the book of beginnings, the book that starts everything, ends up in a coffin in Egypt. Yeah, And I just went, ooh, I, I never really noticed all of this, this mourning and, and weeping going on before. Death isn't the only occasion for where weeping is, is appropriate, but it's certainly a time. When Abraham buried Sarah, it says he went to mourn for her, and he, and he wept over her. And, it, and, 
and it's intentional. It's intentional. Let, let's do this. Uh, a lot of cultures have a, a cultural mourning period, and, and it's, it's a good, it's a healthy thing for them. We don't, we don't necessarily, necessarily have that. And if you know any scripture in, in the Bible other than John 3.16, it's probably John 11.35. Jesus wept. And, and it was, you know, it was at it was at a funeral. And I've I've heard people weep over death all my life. The first first funeral I ever attended, I was a, I was a child. I don't remember how old. I just remember that I thought that the person who was uh, whose funeral it was was old. And now that I look back on it, he was probably in the fourth grade, maybe the fifth grade. So I was pretty young. And uh, we lived in a small community, but a very busy road. And he had been riding his bicycle to school one day. And this 16, 18-wheeler comes along. 16-wheeler, I don't know if there is such a thing. 18-wheeler comes along, and one of the tires flew off and hit this boy and killed him. And people were just coming unglued. And I thought, this is sad. This is really sad. And, and, and that's the first time really in my life I remember crying. And I was crying because everybody... Everybody else was crying. Uh, and while it's proper to weep at the loss of a loved one, there should not be desperation in those tears. Shouldn't be desperation. Uh, my pastor back at the Lord's Chapel, uh, Billy Roy Moore, he was very fond of quoting 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. Because we, we do have hope. We have great hope. Uh, one of the things that I had read and understood was that apparently one of the stages of grief is anger. And... Uh, I've got a problem with that because I have felt some anger, but I have no idea who to be angry with. Yeah, I'm not angry with God. Uh, he's the only comfort in all of this thing. He's the only hope in, in all of this. I, I, you know, and he gave me 43 years with, with Mark. I can't be angry with him. Uh, I thought, well, I'm, I'm mad at Margaret for dying. Well, that's stupid. I mean, you know, she fought. You know, she did. She, I can't be mad at her. So I, I figured, well, I'm, I'm, I need to be mad at me for just, in general, being a crummy person. You know, that's a bad place to go to. You, you can't really go there. So, you know, I get angry at insurance companies and drivers. Uh, you got to have something. You got to have a target, right? You know. So in other words, nothing has really changed. <laughs> uh, weep over the loved one who's passed on, intentionally weep over them, and eventually the tears begin to bring healing. Eventually the tears begin to bring a sense of, of release. They begin to bring, bring that. But don't mix those tears with despair, because that's toxic. Mary wept outside the tomb, but it only took one word to turn her tears into indescribable joy. Mary. As soon as he said her name, 
The script completely flipped at that point. Death isn't the only proper occasion for, for tears. David and his men uh, wept when their town was being taken captive, wept at defeat. Justin Bashir's weeps at UT losses. <laughs> Jer- Jer- I, bet, I know you have, man. Uh, Jeremiah wept over his nation. Elisha wept and he looked into the future as he saw Hazael and realized what he would do. Jacob wept upon meeting Rachel. This is a different kind of weeping. This is a different kind of tears. You know, he, he was sent to his uncle Laban's house to go get a wife. And the first person that he saw was a hottie. And he realized, I am at my father. Wow! Yes! Thank you, God! And he started crying. Joseph wept when he revealed himself to to his brothers down in Egypt. And he wept when he was reunited with his father after all of those years. And, And another time when weeping is very appropriate is worship. Jesus went to eat at the home of a Pharisee, and there was a woman there who stood there weeping, and she, her tears fell on his feet, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and, and wipe them with her hair, and Jesus said, she has, she has loved much. She's forgiven much. But this isn't just about weeping. Uh, and in fact... There's some area where this over, overlaps. Uh, Bruce Coburn has, has a song that I really love called Dancing in the Dragon's Jaws, and it's got uh, a great line in it that says, Everything you see is not the way it seems. Tears can sing and joy sheds tears. There's, there's a song we used to sing back in the 70s. It's kind of a, uh, kind of a, a silly melody, but it was a Scripture song and, and a great song. It just went, The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 You think you guys can learn those words? <laughs> and it would get ridiculous. I mean, you know, the last verse is, ha, 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 ha. Never mind. Okay, you know where that comes from? It it comes from Nehemiah. And the occasion was that the the law was being read to the people, and they were weeping. They were crying, and Nehemiah goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, Uh, uh, feast, go home, eat eat some good food, drink drink some sweet drinks. I don't know what those were in those days. Coke, Dr. Pepper, something. And give to those who don't have anything. This day is holy to the Lord. Don't don't grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where it came from. It was born born out of tears. And tears were never intended to last. The psalmist says, weeping may last for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. The psalmist asked God to, to, uh, to keep his tears in a bottle. You ever wonder why he asked the God to keep his tears in a bottle? I, I don't know, but I, I know one reason. They're tears of remembrance because the day's going to come when there's not going to be any more. It's just going to be what's in this bottle and nothing else left. Both the Old and the New Testament 
tell us this. Isaiah says, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all of the earth. The Lord has spoken. In other words, drop the mic. That's it. It's not going to be any more tears. And the one that you probably are more familiar with is from Revelation. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let's, let's get rid of the old order of things as quickly as possible. And some people may go, well, you know, the Bible's got a lot more to say about tears and mourning than it does about laughter and dancing. Well, yeah, you know, those word study things kind of get crazy with me sometimes, but stretch it out a little bit and, and, and take, in some of the, take in some of the cousin words. Take in, some of the, take in some of the synonyms, and you got weeping, and you got tears, and you got grieving and mourning, but you've got, you got laughter, and you've got rejoicing, and you've got gladness, and you've got dancing, and you've got, you got favor. You've got a, a whole bunch of stuff. The tide turns very quick. It's like the Mississippi River starts flowing in the other direction all of a sudden. And Jesus says over in Luke 6.21, you who weep now, going to laugh. You're going to end up laughing. So here's the deal. You have permission to laugh. The first, uh, the first few months that we were here in Smyrna, and some of you have heard me say this before, the church was sort of stuck in the church's serious mode. You know, and I would say some great things, and it was... Mm, it's just kind of, come on, give me some feedback here. Amen. Church is serious. Laughter can be quite serious. It can. Uh, many of you are familiar with, with Proverbs that says, A cheerful heart does good like a medicine. A merry heart, laughter does good like a medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. How many of you know medicine is serious? You know, if you don't, just go buy you some. See how much it costs. It, it, it's serious stuff. Laughter does that. Laughter is that. Had I not laughed this last month, there's no possible way I could stand here in front of you. Had, had I not laughed, I probably couldn't get out of the house. It's, it's, it's important. And Margaret laughed. <laughs> Those of you who were here on, on, Thursday, on that Thursday night, may remember uh, Rhonda talking about three things that were very memorable about Margaret. Uh, one of them had to do with her not being able to chew gum. Thank you for reminding everyone of that, Rhonda. Uh, and then uh, her sneeze. How many of you ever had the experience of hearing Margaret sneeze? The rest of you are so blessed. Her sneeze was preceded... Uh, immediately preceded by a blood-curdling scream. I mean, it really was. The first two or three years we were married, I mean, every time she'd sneeze, I'd go, really? You, what? Get over this. Come on. And surely you could do something about that. But later on, you know, I just realized this is part of the, this is part of the cost of getting to live with this woman, and I'm good with it. She's worth it. 
I don't know what the cost was of living with me, but there were probably a few things. Uh, yeah, so she didn't know how to chew gum, and she didn't know how to sneeze. Uh, but she knew how to laugh. She had a laugh that could fill up the Jackson Hall all by itself. You know, and if she was at your play and you thought your play was funny and, and, and you didn't hear her, you were wrong. <laughs> but if your play genuinely was funny, you had the best audience you ever had. In fact, you, if, you, if you got her and Paula Parker and Rhonda Frazier, yeah, uh, in the same audience, just he died and went to heaven. It's great. It's, it's, it's spectacular. Margaret laughed. And the laughter doesn't need to be forced. It doesn't need to be at the, it, not at the expense of someone else. Uh, the only, in fact, the only ones that really that, that the Bible says you laugh at or should laugh at, it says God laughs at the nations and the righteous laugh at those who get rich by oppressing others buy into the world system. Yeah. This is my dad, and I'm, I'm very thankful for him. My dad uh, gave me the gift of, of humor and of laughter. He, uh, I, I mentioned at Margaret's service on that Thursday night that my parents you know, went through quite a bit of adversity, and the way that they went through it and the reason they were able to go through it with such grace was because my dad... My dad was a joker. In fact, I remember at his funeral, a good friend of mine, Bob Langford, one of my oldest friends, spoke at the funeral, and he talked about working with my dad in the shoe store. And he said, yeah, you never knew what Brother Meek was going to say in the shoe store. In fact, I remember one time this man comes in, he's wearing a pair of shorts, and he's got huge knees. And Brother Meek comes over to me and he says, you see that man? You ever seen knees like that before? It looks like he's got water on the knees. Yeah. Wonder if I could sell him a pair of pumps. Yeah. <laughs> that was my dad's funeral, all right. And this is, uh, this is his, his grandson. His name's Isaac. And Isaac means he laughs. And I, we named him that intentionally because we wanted that to be the blessing on his life. His middle name is Luke, which means light. So laughing light, that's what we want. And if you're ever around Isaac and anything's funny, you're going to laugh because he's going to laugh. And you're going to laugh because he's going to laugh. And it just, it just happens. Uh, surely David laughed. When he, when, he, when he danced before the ark, bringing you back to Jerusalem. I mean, the man didn't have any clothes on. Somebody laughed. Uh, to, to be sure, it, 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 David probably, probably did as well. The weeping prophet, Jeremiah, didn't weep all the time. There's another, there's another course we used to sing that, that, that comes from Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, young men and old men together, and I will comfort them, and I will make them rejoice from their sorrow. That was what, that was what Jeremiah wrote. One of the greatest times of rejoicing is time of reunion. It's time of connecting 
together again. Homecoming. Uh, in the Bible, when the prodigal came home, uh, they threw a feast. The older brother didn't like it very much, but, but his father said, we had, to, we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. This brother of yours was, was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. Jesus told his disciples over in John 16, and he said, uh, you're going to weep and mourn for a little while here, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one can take away your joy. Um, the day after Margaret's service, we had an internment that morning over at uh, Mapleview, just uh, a private situation with, with just the family. And uh, Father Ray Cash uh, did that for us. Uh, he, he'd been texting me and going, what can I do, what can I do? And I went, Oh, I know what you can do. I mean, I, I can do Thursday. I have to do Thursday night to, to honor Margaret. I, I have to do that. I can't do Friday morning. I, I'm not going to be able to do that in tournament. So you got it. And he said, okay, great. I, I'll, do a, I'll do a brief homily and I'll, and I'll do a prayer book in tournament. I said, yes, exactly. And he was fabulous. He, he was spectacular. I mean, he had his robes on and, and, uh, and the full nine yards. And he just Anglicanized the whole thing for us. It was, it was, it was great. But uh, in his homily, he, he, said, he said this. He said, there was a man who used to attend our church uh, when, when he first came to Smyrna, and he's, he was one of those. <laughs> he, he was one of those guys who, after every service, would give him a note explaining to him all the things he had done, Father Ray had done wrong that morning. Uh, you know, the grammar that he had messed up and things like that. So it's kind of going, the guy's kind of a card. Uh, his wife died. And, uh, and Ray began to connect with him. He, he would go and see him on Tuesdays. They would go. They had kind of a standing engagement. He would go and uh, they would sit and talk. And, and he did that for several months. And he said, finally, the guy said to him, uh, I have three questions. Answer these three questions and you don't have to come back anymore. <clears throat> Where is she? What's she doing? Will I see her again? And Ray said, well, where is she? That's, 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 that one's easy. Uh, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I know that your wife put her faith in Jesus Christ, and I, I have all confidence that she is present with the Lord right now. I mean, uh, regardless of what you call it, you can call it heaven, you can call it paradise, you can call it whatever, she's in the presence of God. That's where she is. What's she doing? That's a little bit more, uh, that's a little bit more complicated. The Bible doesn't really tell us exactly what, what we'll do there. But it does tell us that in His presence is the fullness of joy. In His right hand are blessings forevermore. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So whatever she's doing, she's having a better time than you are. Having a better time than, than, than we are. So, yeah, that's number two. Number three. Will you see her again? Well, now that's really kind of going to be up to you, isn't it? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then I, I would say, yes, absolutely, you will see her again. If you don't, can't make that promise. In fact, it's unlikely that you will. 
reunion. That's where the real joy is. That's, that's where the, you know, sometimes people go, well, you know, she's in a better place. I know she's in her, I'm not upset because she's in a better place. I'm upset because where she's not, but I'll get over it, you know. But the real hope is a reunion. We'll see you again. You will rejoice and nothing can take away your joy.